Welcome to Literary Speaking with Crystal Lee Quibell. Literary Speaking is the author's guide to writing and publishing, sharing tips and tricks for aspiring authors. Crystal Lee's expert guests will bring you the latest information on how to write and publish your book into being. Are you ready to tell your story? Here's your host. Good day and welcome to Literary Speaking. I'm your host, Crystal Lee Quibel, and today I'm talking with cookbook author and food blogger, Allison Day. Allison blogs on yummybeat.com, and she's just authored her newest cookbook, Whole Bowls, Complete Gluten-Free and Vegetarian Meals to Power Your Day. And I'm really super excited because she also has a book forthcoming this fall called Purely Pumpkin, More Than 100 Seasonal Recipes to Share, Savor, and Warm Your Kitchen. Doesn't that sound yummy? Allison has been featured on Food Network Canada, The New York Times, and Shape Magazine, just to name a few popular publications. Allison, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Crystal. (laughs) When did you begin YummyBeat.com as a food blogger? I started in 2012. I began blogging in 2012, and um, I started when I was in nutrition school, actually, and that was kind of a way to just catalog what I was learning about and try new recipes, and it was more just a journal for myself, and um, yeah, it it really uh, evolved over the years. I got more into food photography, and it's been, I mean, if you go back and look at some of my earlier posts, they're not... um, they're not what they are now, but um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I started yeah all those years ago. <laughs> and so, when you began, you know, when you began food blogging, did you have the intention or know that it would ever, you know, turn into a book deal to have your own cookbook? I didn't. No, I I didn't initially start out blogging to turn it into a cookbook. And I think, I mean, I don't think that's a very good reason to start blogging. I think um, just finding your voice and your rhythm with food blogging, um, I found was really important for me and finding your niche and your community and um, seeing where you fit into that. And I just, you know, I turned that into a book eventually um, through finding what I really loved and writing a proposal. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And so you know, on your website, it mentions that you've written articles for popular publications like Shape, The New York Times, and Food Network Canada. How did you begin to submit articles to them and, and really approach them and get your work out there? Well, I I, um, I started actually uh, with a live magazine, which is a Canadian publication, and they're based in um, British Columbia around Vancouver. And they really helped me out a lot. They kind of um, gave me my first start when I was just starting to pitch articles and do some freelance work as well. And I always tell people if they come up and ask me, you know, how did you start? And I just said, like, it really just takes one person to give you <laughs> a chance. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I started, um, I mean, they're a great publication, and I still write for them, and I love working with them. Um, so I started there, and that kind of builds your connection, gets your mm-hmm. uh, portfolio built up a bit. And um, I was able to um, pitch some other places and it's just making the connections and it's really networking. And if you know someone at a place, you really just, it's just putting yourself out there and learning mm-hmm. that um, 
it's not personal, it's just business. Uh, if someone rejects you, you know, you just uh, you just keep going. And um, yeah, so eventually I um, I, I I started uh, looking to larger publications, and some of it um, was just people reaching out to me after a while. Once you have a base and uh, a presence online, it's it's a lot easier for people to find you and show your work. And yeah. Mm-hmm. And did you find, I mean, how do you find the ease of networking as a food blogger? Did you meet people through the blog or did you attend writing conferences or events that were geared towards your niche? Um, yeah, I, I have a, I use a blogging community called the Food Bloggers of Canada. Um, they've been really great with hooking me up with other bloggers um, in, um, you know, in Canada, not just in my niche, it's just um, a whole bunch of different uh, varieties of blogs, um, all based around food, and um, that's a really, I mean, if you can find something like that uh, in a blogging community, that's really important, and I know not everyone has that, but um, Mm -hmm. I've connected with people locally even. I've found people through, um, like, comments linking back to their blog, and um, a couple of my good friends now are people that I've met actually through blogging, which has been really nice. And I just find there's a great support network in blogging. Um, Mm -hmm. From the outside, it can look slightly competitive, but just I think bloggers are really uh, keen to help each other out because they want to succeed and they want to um, produce really great content for the web, and they're doing it for the right reasons. Well, exactly, and everybody sort of needs to remember, especially writers in any community, whether it's blogging or just writing, you know, for different publications, that collaboration is so much more important than competition because, you know, your audience can serve someone else's and likewise, and the more that we all work together, we kind of fuel this beautiful community to come together and work together and support one another. And I think that's more important now than ever with so many outlets for social media. Do you find, you know, how do you find the process of navigating social media? Do you focus strictly on the blog or do you also put your work out onto Facebook and Twitter and yeah, I, I put my work out. I, I think um, having a social media presence, especially if you're doing, I mean, if you're a blogger, that's very important. If you're an mm-hmm. author, that's also very important. So I try to, um, like, I have to blend the two. And uh, I use Facebook. I use Twitter. I use Instagram. I really try to put myself out there because you never know who's going to see something. And, um, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Do you find one network seems to serve you uh, better as a food blogger? For example, Instagram is so visual. Do you find that there's more of an audience there for your work as a food blogger and as a cookbook author? I think so, yes. I think I just really love Instagram because you can mm-hmm. make – I mean, I like to photograph, like, and I do photograph um, my food as well and for my books, so – I I really love that. I don't know how I don't know if there's been any studies like if Instagram converts to actual sales or anything like that, but um I love to do that and you can say a lot in a photo and text on Instagram, which I really yeah. like. Facebook has become slightly harder uh if you're not throwing money at them for advertising. Mm-hmm. Uh Twitter's great for links and I I find I connect with a lot of people on Twitter and Twitter is really great for networking. 
um, yeah, they each kind of serve their own purpose. Um, but I, 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 do, I can't like weigh one above the other. <laughs> <laughs> I think too, I find, I mean, I've, in looking through your whole book, it's uh, just, it's so visually appealing. The, there's a photograph for pretty much every single recipe. And I love that because when I'm looking at a book, it's like, you know, this sounds good, but I want to look how it's, I want to see how it's going to look on the plate. And right, right. I loved that part of it. Did you do all the photography yourself or did you have, did you, you know, go elsewhere to have someone else do the food staging and photography? Yeah, I, I did it all myself, actually, which was, um, it was a big undertaking, and mm-hmm. I got more into the rhythm when I was doing my second book. Uh, I I just, you know, I did it at home, <laughs> near a window. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a massive, even when I blog, like now, I don't have, um, like, a, a, a professional studio or anything, and I use natural mm-hmm. light, so when the light goes down, I can't work on that anymore. Um yeah, I did it all myself, and I found that was really, especially for bowls, it's it's so, like you said, like very visually appealing. Exactly. Like you, you you really eat with your eyes with these, with these types of dishes, and just showing how they're composed. It's um, it was, it was also very helpful when you're developing recipes to take a photo and actually just um, see what's working, what's not working, and what needs mm-hmm. to pop more. Um, which like I find. You know, it's kind of a symbiotic relationship. They they help each other out, the recipe writing and the photography, for me at least anyway. I know not for everyone, but, yeah. Well, it works so perfectly. Everyone, you're listening to Literary Speaking with Crystal Lee Clybel, and today I'm talking with cookbook author and food blogger Allison Day. When we come back from the break, we'll discuss the logistics of selling a cookbook to publishing houses and what to expect in the liter- literary world as a cookbook author and how Allison found her agent. We will be right back. Your story is begging to be told, but do you know where to start? Crystal Lee Quibell is dedicated to helping you achieve your book publishing dreams. Go to crystalleequibell.com. That's crystalleequibell, Q-U-I-B-E-L-L.com, and sign up for Crystal Lee's newsletter today. Welcome back to Literary Speaking. I'm your host, Crystal Lee Quibel, and I'm continuing the conversation today with Allison Day, author of Whole Bowls and the forthcoming Purely Pumpkin. She's a food blogger on the website yummybeat.com. And before the break, we were talking a little bit about food photography and recipes, but now I'm really curious, Allison, how did you end up finding your literary agent? Uh, well, my literary agent is Carly Waters. Uh, I found her through reading her blog. She has a really excellent blog, and it's so helpful for any, like, an aspiring writer or someone that already has an agent. She just has great tips to help you really um, navigate the world of publishing and uh, putting yourself out there and uh, getting a book deal. So I I found her through, I believe she was looking – um, it was a manuscript wish list, I believe, and I saw there were cookbooks mm-hmm. on there, and I, I was um, working on my proposal, and I did some research, how to structure it, um, how to write a query let- letter. I found this all, you know, online. There's some really great resources out there of people that have done it already, and um, I queried her. I emailed her, and um, 
attached the proposal and she got back to me, I think the next day or a couple of days after, uh, which was really fast. And I was, <laughs> I was very, I was very grateful and uh, overwhelmed and yeah. Um, it, it just, she called me and it felt right. And she really, uh, understood what I was trying to say in my proposal and, um, really uh, understood what I wanted to do with this book and, uh, she mm-hmm. was really excited about it. So, um, yeah, that's how it happened. <laughs> it was so very in, fast. So you used manuscriptwishlist.com, which I love because they have all these agents go to it. And basically for our listeners, they can go to, I think, at manuscriptwishlist.com. And every agent that's involved lists like what they're looking for and what their favorite books are and what they're definitely not looking for. So you can really pinpoint the agents that – are specific to your niche and your work. When you structured your proposal, Allison, did you, you know, how did you go about that? How long did it take? Because proposals can be sort of their own little beast <laughs> to write. Yes, that's like a perfect description of a proposal. Um, the proposal took me, I guess, probably two months to make. Um, they're quite long nonfiction proposals. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a lot in them. Um, I had to spend some time doing market research and then you're doing an entire, for cookbooks, you're doing an entire, you know, chapter at the end, like the sample chapters with the recipes and uh, potentially photography. So, um, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, uh, it takes a while and they are kind of like their own little, you know, like you said, beast. <laughs> yeah. But I think they're, <laughs> they're really, they're, it's really important though, like, for me to when I was writing the book to just look back at the proposal as well and see what the original vision if you will was um it helps you you know if you have a solid proposal it's going to guide you through the book writing process and make that a lot easier on yourself Mm -hmm. I agree because I think you can get lost sometimes when you start to kind of you know, you get inspired to change things up a bit, but the proposal really lays it out for you in your original vision and keeping it very on point and on track so you can get it done. Now, did you include sample chapters and some of your food photography so that Carly could really see sort of how you wanted the cookbook to evolve? I didn't even um, put any photography in it. Um, If I was doing it now, I definitely would have, but I sent a link to my blog and Mm-hmm. Um, that I guess did it for her. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you're writing a cookbook, you don't necessarily have to do the photography, but I find now if you are doing the blogging and the photography and the writing, like, I feel like that's very necessary now for cookbook mm-hmm. authors to have kind of, um, this hat trick almost. Uh, unfortunately, that's just how it is with uh, in sometimes, but you know. <laughs> yeah, and are cookbook authors really required to have all the recipes tested by a certain amount of beta testers, or how do you how do you do that? How do you select people to test the recipes? Um, that depends on the publisher. My publisher didn't require that, but I sent um, recipes to family and friends to test and um, I asked for feedback. But again, that just depends on the publisher. I know some Mm -hmm. are very strict about that and uh, you do need 
plenty of testers, and in the publishing house there will be testers themselves. Um, yeah, mine didn't, but I, I like to do that, and especially uh, getting people that I know that aren't necessarily super, um, I guess, into <laughs> cooking. Um, yes. If they could read the recipe properly and follow along and uh, it was easy for them, that was mm-hmm. important to me. And um, making sure, like going over some recipes and ideas with people, just making sure that they could find ingredients in the grocery store just year round was um, also something that I uh, talked with people about because there are a lot of cookbooks where, you know, the ingredients look great, but um, I'm a home cook. And I, <laughs> right. Right. I, I just want ingredients that, I mean, it's fun to play with um, specialty ingredients and like a little more esoteric, but um for the everyday when you're coming home from work or something like that, you really just want stuff that you always have around and um, talking through um, my recipes with people and having them test them was uh, very helpful in that respect. And I think that's really important too, especially since, you know, the show is hosted in Canada and you're a Canadian author. And for many Canadians, a lot of cookbooks don't take into consideration that there's some very seasonal foods that in in specific areas of Canada, they can't get at all or very rarely during a very small (laughs) window. So, you know, it's really disappointing when you get this beautiful book and and you can't access the ingredients. So that's a really fabulous tip for food bloggers and for cookbook authors. Did you only approach Carly or did you – you know, sort of spread your wings and and approach several different agents? I did, um, like, one day where I just sat down and I had my proposal ready and I emailed a bunch of different places and uh, I I emailed probably, or I queried, um, maybe three or four. Carly Mm -hmm. got back to me uh, first and we chatted um, and... Yeah, I just went from there, and then I informed the other agencies that, you know, like I had found an agent, and um, I didn't need their assistance. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so, really yeah. important to note, too, because many people do the query process, and if an agent comes back and says to you they're interested and you feel a connection, you it, it is courtesy to contact all of the other agents and let them know that you you know, you've decided to go with this agent. And if you're not sure, you can also say to them, you know, I do have an offer of representation from an agent um, Mm -hmm. to give them the opportunity to take a look at it because they do get so many queries. Sometimes they're bogged down. So they do want to have a crack at, you know, but when there's a connection, I think it's really important to cultivate that and grow it with somebody who's just as passionate about your work as you are. And Carly has been very vocal and supportive of your work on Twitter and social media. And that's actually how I connected with you because I had interviewed her. So it was great to be able to see your work and, and, and bring it onto this platform. How, how long was the process for you from the beginning of writing this proposal and then the book being available for pre-orders and, and being published and available? Uh, it was from proposal to, I mean, before I even got an agent, uh, from proposal to availability, it was about two years. Um, and a lot changed over that time, obviously. It just 
mm-hmm. it's a long it's a long time to be involved in one project and you kind of change uh you know cooking style and photography style that type of thing so that was mm-hmm. that was a bit of a um an adjustment for me but um I guess from proposal to, I mean, from when I talked to Carly to pre-order, it was probably uh, a year to a year and a half. And that seems to be pretty typical, a year or two for the for the entire traditional process. And then yeah. in terms of the second book, the forthcoming one, that's all about pumpkin, which I'm so freaking <laughs> yeah. excited about. I'm like, I broke into everything pumpkin. So I just, I love that. How long you know, was the, was the process similar for that or did it move along much quick, much more quickly because you had the first one? It was completely different, just an entirely different. I actually didn't um, pitch this to anyone. I, I believe Carly was, I mean, she does her face-to-face um, uh, meetings with uh, different publishing houses and she was talking to my editor at Skyhorse, Nicole, and uh, Nicole was doing some research and she was looking for um, a very seasonal book about pumpkin and she couldn't really find anything like what I have now <laughs> written. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, like I'm, I'm very uh, excited about vegetables and um, <laughs> I, it, it just, uh, it just worked out really well. And I grew up in the country and like near a pumpkin patch and I did all the photography like back home and it was really kind of charming and nice. <laughs> and um, it, you know, like I, I wrote a small proposal for that, for her to present it. Um, but uh, it wasn't as, I guess, intense as Whole Bowls was, which was um, just initially jumping off. But, you know, this is something, it's a very um, specific book. um, She was looking for something that, you know, uh, uh, booksellers can put out on a table seasonally or, you know, people can give us gifts or it can be a coffee table book, something like that. So, um, yeah, it was just completely different. It it was a much shorter time period to write, um, which I actually kind of liked because, it didn't allow me to kind of second guess myself and change things up. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think I love the, the seasonal aspect of that as well, because even whole bowls, it's so pretty and fresh and it's all vegetarian and gluten-free. And, and so for me, I just, it just makes me feel like summer and spring when you're just getting yeah. into the renewal mm-hmm. and the pumpkin. I mean, anytime you think of pumpkin, you just think of savory and, and wonderful memories of the fall. And I don't think I've met anyone who hates fall. So I no, think I know. Very yeah. well received. Allison, before we go, what do you think is probably the best advice you could offer? offer for a food blogger and someone that's really wanting to enter the realm of, of writing their own cookbook and, and selling it? Uh, finding your voice and finding your audience is crucial. Um, you can't do everything and you can't be um, super general. You really need to um, hone in and find uh, what you're good at, what you're passionate about and I think everything will fall into place when you uh, get into that rhythm. Mm -hmm. So it's really about finding your niche within the food market, you know, whether it's vegan or vegetarian or a book on just chicken, you know, to find your thing. 
Well, Allison, I just want to thank you so much for being here today. Everyone, Allison Day can be found online by visiting yummybeat.com. That's yummybeat.com, B-E-E-T.com. You can win a free copy of Whole Bowls, the complete gluten-free and vegetarian meals, to power your day by visiting my website at crystalleeklebel.com. That's crystal, Q-U-I. B-E-L-L.com and sign up for the newsletter. You'll also receive free tips and tricks on writing and publishing your book. Please join us next week for more tips and tricks on how to get your work out into the world. Do keep writing and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Literary Speaking with your host, Crystal Lee Quibell. To start discovering how you can begin telling your story, go to crystalleequibell.com. That's crystalleequibell, Q-U-I-B-E-L-L.com. And sign up for Crystal Lee's newsletter. Join us again next week for more advice from your favorite authors and publishing professionals.